I do a thing. And I don't know if you have ever noticed what I do, but I, I try my hardest to stay positive. I try to open up the podcast with little jokes. You know, a song here or there. Get everyone in the mood to talk about hockey. But I'm not in that mood. I'm recording less than 30 minutes after the OT winner in Boston. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset. Today's episode is going to be a barn burner. So, we're going to talk about the Hurricanes being shut out for nothing by Arizona in PNC Arena, which amplified real frustration within the fan base. And then, and I, I almost guarantee you that this is going to take up the majority of uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins defeating Carolina in overtime 3-2. to two. Now, we'll get to it. You know, there's quotes from Rod and Marnuk and Kakaniemi and... Those, you know, a game isn't decided off of one thing, but just a little taste. Just a little taste of my, my thinking on this. Just a little taste. The National Hockey League will forever, and I mean forever, into the extinction of the human race, will be a niche sports league if they cannot figure out how to officiate their games. I don't want to hear that it's hard. Yeah, that's why you get paid money to do it at the highest level. And what I saw today was not, well, you know, that's hard to see in motion. It's they officiated a poor game. But we'll get into it. We have, we have 30 plus minutes to talk about it. So let's get into it. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Forgive me if I'm a little more negative during this first game. Can't control my emotions. Uh, so Carolina loses to the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, for the second podcast in a row, I finished last episode saying that they had to beat this team. They were desperate coming into playing Arizona. And if they weren't able to pick up two points, death spiral. That's, that's what it was like. And honestly, you know, I was, I, was, I was surprised by their performance against Arizona. I hope you noticed I didn't say pleasantly. Their game against Arizona on home ice in Raleigh in front of their own fans was by far the worst game they have played all season. You thought frustration was boiling over prior to this game. No. No. You have... No idea how the fan base was going to react to... I mean, they, they had 14 giveaways. The Carolina Hurricanes gave away the puck 14 times against the Arizona Coyotes. And honestly, we outperformed them offensively. In the first period, they had one shot on goal, Arizona. It just so happened that one shot on goal was a goal. So we go into the first intermission, Arizona up 2 nothing. I'm sorry, one nothing. 
It was 14 to 1, and they score on the only goal. But it's whatever, you know. All of these things are pretty much whatever, because you can always come back in the second period, you know, a quick goal there, a quick goal here, all is well in the world. And that just didn't happen. It just didn't. Um, again, the worst game as a team all season long. I think uh, obvious by the fact that they lost 4 nothing For the first time in a really long time, I know it's happened before, but I cannot put my finger on when it was, the Hurricanes will booed off the ice. I personally want to do that. I disagree with that. Um, I understand other people's mindsets on it, but you know I don't go there to be a fan like I am at home. Like at home, sitting in my living room right now as I am, I'm upset. I would never boo them in my building. Just Well, I shouldn't say never, but not in this circumstance. I would have to be... We would have to be on like an 0 and 26 season for me to for me to start booing. But the Carolina Hurricanes were booed off the ice in Carolina. And honestly for me the best summarization of this game came post game from the captain. Let me play it. Um tonight we kind of had a good start and we felt like it wasn't puck wasn't going in and kind of just slowly faded away and um a couple couple quick little plays that um, you know that cost us and we're chasing the game again and felt like it wasn't going in and just faded away that gives us our answer we know what the problem is I don't even like have to dive into any reports I don't have to look at any stat lines it's confidence they felt like it wasn't going in and they faded away it's confidence this team doesn't feel like it can get it done which is funny because at this point, fans are starting to question the same thing. I, for one, think they can get it done. I think being down three of your scores is unfortunate. And at the moment, no one seems to be able to build chemistry because Rod is constantly tinkering with the lines to try to get something going, which we'll bring up in Boston. But I do want to turn to a couple more things that were said by Jordan and then Rod's post-game statements after the Arizona Coyotes, and then we'll transition to just a new segment before we get into Boston. Here is Jordan. Jordan, was this the, the toughest stretch in, in some time that, that you guys have had? Uh, yeah, it's been not so good hockey, obviously. Um, frustrating. Buck's not going in. Um, we're finding little ways to beat ourselves, and... Um, you know, we're, we're making it a little bit harder on ourselves than we need to be. And, um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot to improve on and a lot to get better. And um, it's going to have to start soon. Is this a, a getting angry with each other moment or is it more just a stick to the stick to what we know works moment? Well, you could tell we were pretty flat. I mean, obviously, at some point we got to have some emotion and and get going and, and really start pushing each other. So whether that's getting angry at each other, I don't know if that'll help, but um, something's got to change and we've got to get some momentum and get some some uh, some jump in our game. And um, tonight we kind of had a good start and we felt like it wasn't, Buck wasn't going in and kind of just slowly faded away. And I believe that reporter was Corey Laviolette. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it was Corey Laviolette. From there, we'll listen to Rod's post game, and then once again jump into some news. 
kind of reminds me of the start when we just couldn't find ways to, you know, win games. So it's it's tough. We're in, you know, we're in a tough stretch for sure. Well, the guys are frustrated. They're not. I mean, you don't score. That's the biggest thing. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, lose, you'd rather be losing scoring because at least you're feeling like you're you're there. When you're not scoring, it makes it real tough because the margin of error is like one one goal, and another one is just feels like, oh man, how are we gonna do it? So we gotta, you know, fight through. Yeah, we made. I didn't like the second period. I thought we just kind of, you know, let them kind of get going. Um, and that's you know that's what you get. But it's all comes down to the first where you had those opportunities and you didn't cash in just to get you know they're going to score or they're going to get a goal here or there but you have none that, that makes it real tough looking back at this game now you know several days removed i can say that the hurricanes did not play well i've already said that it was the worst game this season and yeah i mean that's that's just what it is at some point we have to steer out of the skid I don't know what the answer is. I'm not a professional hockey league coach. But Rod needs to figure something else out. Before we get into Boston, two things of news. The first one uh, is going to be lighthearted, and you should go read a story by Pierre Lebron on The Athletic just talking to Pacioretty about his move to Raleigh, and apparently Pacioretty's family really enjoys their time here. His son is having a great time in youth hockey. They've rented a house for the year, so if things don't work out after this season, you know he doesn't have to sell anything. But it's a good read that you should look into. It's linked down below. And then secondarily, the Carolina Hurricanes announced a four-year contract with... Pietro Kochekov for $2 million a year. And a couple of things on this one. Uh, again, there will be the announcement from the team link below. But what I found really interesting here is, first of all, this is not an insane like contract. You know what I mean? It, $2 million a year is very affordable. In this climate, for a backup goalie, that's affordable. In a couple of years when the cap starts going back up, that is extraordinarily affordable. And... When it ends, he'll have one year of RFA, so he'll be an RFA at the end. So if he's our starter and he deserves a big payday, he'll get his back. If he's not our starter, it's an easy contract to deal away. So this is a really smart move by a organization that has faith in Kochekov to be able to step up and play that starting role someday, but isn't quite sure yet. Which, honestly, smart hockey minds... That's what you should be doing here. He's 23. No one should be betting the house on him. He is not our legacy goaltender yet. Give it time. Uh, but again, link down below. And let's go to Boston. Do you need more friends? Do you have enough friends but feel that you may need more responsibility? Do you need a furry pal to cuddle with at the end of a long day? Well, the Wake County Animal Center has you covered. With small friends ranging from farmyard animals to small critters and everyone's favorite four-legged pals, the Wake County Animal Center has you covered when it comes to finding a new companion. In the description of this episode and all episodes going forward, there will be a link to the Wake County Animal Center photo gallery where you can view rabbits, dogs, cats, birds, guinea pigs. I was actually shocked by this one, but chickens and roosters, which is a thing apparently, consider adopting or fostering a friend today. That's where I got my dog, Danny, and Danny's great. Say hi, Danny. If you're a long-time listener of this show, and when I say long-time, I mean going back until last season, when I was still doing this with Wesley, you know I do not like the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins are my least favorite NHL team, bar none. I don't like the Devils for different, well, actually very similar reasons, but I feel the one with the 
Bruins goes back farther. I, I'm not a big fan of the Habs. That's because their fan base is all high and mighty. But Boston. Our franchise is nearly 50 years old. It's over 50 years old if you count the WHA, which I kind of do. And that entire time, the Boston Bruins have made being a fan of this franchise, well, I'm sorry, they haven't made it, but they have tried to make it be a living hell to be a fan of this franchise. Whether it was the one year that the New England Railers actually played in the old Boston Garden, or once they moved to New England, well, moved to New England, once they moved to Connecticut, Boston was still doing everything in their power to make sure this team couldn't make it to the NHL. When the team eventually did get demoted to the NHL, because it was one of the only teams that was financially viable coming out of the WHA, Boston made sure that they had to drop the New England part of their name. That's the only reason the team was known as the Hartford Railers when they entered the NHL, was because they had to change it to make Boston happy, so Boston would allow them to enter the league. If it wasn't for Boston and Montreal, the WHA would have merged with the NHL years sooner. We probably would have gotten a couple more teams out of it. Wayne Gretzky might not have ended up in Edmonton. We'll never know. But I hate Boston. So last year, uh, we outscored them 16-1 to in the regular season. We shut them out twice. I'm feeling great. This is a good game. Listen, we have been playing quite poorly. We have been. Coming to this game, we were... 20-0 on our power play. I'm sorry, 0-20. 0-20. Terrible. 0-20 on our power play. And Boston is the best team in the National Hockey League. So, are you expecting to be blown out, Colin? Is that what this is? Did, did I expect us to get blown out in Boston and for me to have a bad Black Friday? No. Should I have? Probably. But did I? No. Because I will never in any way ever expect the Boston Bruins to win any hockey game I watch them play, ever. I expected the Carolina Hurricanes to understand that they had been booed off their home ice by their fans and start attacking Boston early. I needed at least three first-period goals. And you know what? Do you know what, avid listener of Home Ice Advantage podcast? That's what they did. Kind of. Let's get into it. Before puck drop, Hurricanes fans were already upset. Let alone the 4-0 shutout against Arizona, which is an embarrassment. The Hurricanes changed up the lines. By the Hurricanes, I mean their coach, Rod Brindamore. The first line was Ajo. Winged by Marnuk and Natchez. The second line, Kakanyemi, winged by Svechnikov and Jesper Faust. Third line, Jordan Stahl, winged by Jarvis and Drury. And then the fourth line was Stasny, winged by Stepan, or Stepan. Stepan? Step- I don't remember now. Stepan, Stepan, it's Stepan. Stepan and uh, Nason. It. If you had looked on Twitter right after they released their official lineup, you would have assumed that Rod Brindamore literally shot Sebastian Ajo in the lake. It was like, yeah, no, this team is going nowhere this year. Because Jordan Mornick was on the first line. And don't get me wrong, Jordan Mornick does not belong on the first line. He's not that good of a player. No disrespect to the man, he's a great guy apparently. Great guy. But... He does not belong on a first line. The only reason he started on this game was, first of all, Rod Brindamore threw his lines in a blender. (laughs) 
This is expected when your supposed-to-be cup-contending team is on a four-game losing streak. And as part of that, Marnuk was put on the top line, and people way overreacted. Marnuk being on the first line does not mean that Rod Burnamore thinks he's one of the three best players on the ice. That is an indictment against his fellow teammates. That is an indictment against Jack Drury and... Uh, well, I was about to say Jordan Stahl, but that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry, I meant Seth Jarvis. Uh, Seth Jarvis, or if Tara Vinen was healthy and this was happening, Tara Vinen. It's not because Marnuk is that good. It's because he's just one of the best options because no one else is playing up to their standards. If you were complaining about Jordan Marnuk being on the first line with Aho and Natchez, you haven't been paying attention. But it's fun. It's whatever. Let's get into the game. And early into this game, a officiating mistake leads to a goal not counting for Carolina. For those of you who either don't remember or don't recall what happened, Brett Pesci was standing at the edge of the blue line when he desperately, and it's to avoid the puck leaving the zone, desperately fires the shot towards the net from the blue line on the right side. The puck trickles through Allmark's pads, and Jesper Faust grabs it from behind, and taps it in for a goal, right? Except no, that's not what happened. Because referee Chris Rooney became, I don't know if he had the jitters. I mean, he's, a, he's, he's from Boston. Maybe it's one of the hometown team to win. Blows the whistle too soon. Entirely too soon. Free puck in the blue paint. Blows the whistle. Because I guess he lost eye contact with it. And no goal. Eh, whatever. Honestly, it sucks because we need that goal if we're going to beat Boston. Just in general. Like, pretend we don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the game. We need that goal to beat Boston. Orly goals are our friends. But, no goal, whatever. We move on. We play on. It's six months later. Chris Rooney had to have been upset when Grizzlick slashes Andrei Svechnikov's stick so hard off the face-off that it literally breaks. He has no choice but to call it. Grizzlick, two, slashing, penalty box. There is one small caveat for Chris Rooney here. Carolina hasn't scored on their last 20 power play chances. He could still possibly throw this game. We'll watch and see what happens. Carolina starts their power play, and I mean this in a very non-insulting way. It doesn't look like a Carolina power play as of late. Why doesn't it look like that, you ask? Because there's actual movement. Oh my god! Ajo's moving. Burns is moving. The whole unit! Out here shifting around, moving in front of the goalie, up and down the boards. It was a great time! But ultimately, you know, it's still Caroline's power play. They're not going to score, obviously, right? And if it wasn't for Brent Burns, who I'm going to criticize later, by the way, so note that. But if it wasn't for Brent Burns making a spectacular play to keep the puck... In the zone, like, literally, he has to overextend his arm with his stick out while skating outside the blue line to try to stop it from crossing the line. But you know what? It works, and more power to him. He collects the puck, sends it to Svechnikov, who's farther down that white right board, who then passes it to Sebastian, who's in between the dots, skating towards Svechnikov. Ahu shoots it on net, doesn't make it, rebound, Nason's there, Nason brings it up around Olmark's pads and just kind of taps it in. And there it was. The Carolina Hurricanes actually scored on a power play. And against Boston, no less. They have the second highest ranked penalty kill in the league. They are in the position we should be in. 
glorious days, glorious days. Carolina Hurricanes are up 1 nothing. Fourth period. Should have been 2 nothing, but we're going to let it go because they're still up 1 nothing. In the first period in Boston. And through this next 10 minutes, it's the Hurricanes we all expect. They're out shooting Boston. They're creating more opportunities. Boston's still playing good hockey, don't get me wrong. But the Hurricanes are clearly in the advantage. And then out of nowhere, Jack Drury draws a hooking penalty on Craig Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you that the Carolina Hurricanes can score one power play goal a game. That's their quota currently. And honestly, we're due for another one, aren't we? But two in a row. Now that, that would be absurd. There was no way that, I don't know, someone, let's say, uh, Cock and Yimmy. There's no way Cock and Yimmy could score a power play goal, right? He only has one goal in the season, and it was a lucky thing off his boot. But we'll watch the power play. We'll see what happens. We'll have a good time. Because that's what this is all about, right? We're just here to have a good time. With under 30 seconds left in the power play, Seth Jarvis takes a shot from the left dot. That bounces off the boards behind the goal, and then it hops right back up to literally right behind all marks pads. Cock and Yemi's there to just kind of pick it up and put it in the net. He he tries to smash it in one time, doesn't work, does it again, goal. The Carolina Hurricanes are now up 2-0 in the first period in Boston. And the most surprising part of it all, they were both power play goals. Three minutes later, when Kakanyemi draws a high-sticking penalty, first of all, he loses two teeth on this, which is unfortunate, but at the end of the day, hockey players, you know? Uh, but it's it's a glorious thing. It's a double minor. He's injured. It's a double minor. He's going to be okay. That's very important. Kakanyemi's completely fine. He's lost some tooth. I'm sure there'll be some swelling and pain. But they make very good dentures these days, so let's not feel bad about him. Get back to the game. But oh my god, it's a double minor, and we have scored on two power plays in a row. There was absolutely no way... We don't score on this, right? Absolutely no way. I mean, if history is going to tell you anything, we're going to dominate Boston, right? Because that's what we're doing. It's what we did last year. All is well. Hurricanes are a cup contender. Nothing is going to happen that could possibly prove me wrong. It's open. Forgive me, everyone. Uh, it appears my assistant has walked in the room with some sort of breaking news that he's going to whisper into my ear. Really? Less than a minute left in the period, you say? Really? Tripping? That's absurd. Okay, okay. I mean, I'll go with it. Apparently, I was I was sorely mistaken on this point. Andre Svechnikov would actually be called with less than a minute left in the period for tripping. But surely, they're not going to do it again, right? Like, it's 4-on-4 four four hockey, whatever. We give away the man advantage. But no worse for rare. We'll be fine. New shit of ice. We'll dominate in the second period, too. Everything will be fine. Sorry, what What was that? Come on, man. That's not That's not funny. That's not... I didn't, oh, you're being really serious right now? Are you fucking kidding me? Jack Drury is called for interference with less than 10 seconds remaining in the period. So we went from leading to nothing halfway through the first period to being on a four-minute power play to handing that power play over to a four-on-four and then 
gifting, absolutely gifting, wrapped with a bow and all, a five-on-three power play to the Boston Bruins. Oh, this is going to work out in absolutely no fashion. No way Boston doesn't score on this. Like, this is tremendously upsetting that they couldn't score on a double minor. It's not even that upsetting that they couldn't score on a double minor. That happens. But the fact that you're on that power play, give it away, and once it's already 4-on-4, four four, decided, fuck it, our PK is pretty good, let's give them a 5-on-3. Is this how you think you win Stanley Cups? Is this how you think you become a truly great team? Because I'll, I'll give you a quick hockey lesson here. It's not. It's in no way how you win a hockey game. It's in no way how you beat a weaker opponent, let alone someone who's been playing better than you. They are, they are gifted by the hockey gods that Boston didn't score on that 5-on-3. In fact, the entire second period, excluding the last 31 seconds, would remain scoreless. And at this point, Boston's getting back in the hockey game. They have a record that we're trying to set here. They care about this win. They're not just going to give it up, not to mention they're at home already. And Boston starts putting their game together again in the second period. Mindful of the fact that in that second period, we gifted them another power play right after we killed off the five on three. Uh, this time again, actually, sorry, again, it was Jack Drury, this time for hooking. Craig Smith is nice enough not to make Drew, Drury feel bad for committing two penalties in a game, so he gets called for the second time of the afternoon for high-sticking on Martin Hs. But again, the final 31 seconds of the period is what matters to us. Pasternak is able to collect the puck and send it over to Krejci in front of the net, who is alone, because Joan Stahl assumed that he was heading up ice. He wasn't. Joan Stahl skated alone. Krejci just stands there in front of the net by himself, waiting for the pass, as you should when you have that opportunity. He gets the pass. Easy goal. It's a 2-1 game leading into the second intermission. Connor Clifton gets called for Closing his hand on the puck, a minute 32 in, Carolina does... I mean, the the power play did look better tonight, don't get me wrong. They just did nothing with this power play. Uh, Jordan Stahl would be called at 8 minutes and 30 seconds, maybe 8.29, I can't remember. Um, for holding against Patrice Bourgeon. I mean, he was literally holding his stick, like it was an easy call. And then Andrei Svechnikov would be called for delay of game at 8.59 for puck over the glass. That would round out the penalties in regulation for this game, and Boston would tie it up. It was on the power play for that Jordan Stahl holding penalty. With a second left, and for the second time this afternoon, well, that afternoon, Krejci would bury another one from the blue paint. But there is a tiny, tiny little problem here. The referee in the corner of the ice is frantically calling it no goal as the horn sounds in TD Garden. We would go to the review. It would take a couple of minutes here. And notably, Nick Foligno is in front of the crease. There was no denying he's in front of the crease. And he's getting a love tap from Brett Pesci that originally does send him in the blue paint. But, and follow me on this one. He then makes no effort to leave the blue paint, and while his, his skates aren't in, his physical body is. It's the same argument Trip made on air, but whatever. Uh, 
officials gather at the box. They call Toronto. Toronto tells them what's up. It's declared a good goal. Personally disagree. His body was in the blue paint, and he made no effort to remove it from the blue paint. Whatever. Goals allowed. It's a tied game. And you could hear the hearts of the Kaniac Nation break simultaneously. Going into overtime, things did not appear great. We were still killing off the power play given to Boston by Andre Svechkov being tired and getting called for puck over the glass. But also, the Carolina Hurricanes have gone to overtime five times this season. In those five games, they have won once. And it wasn't even in, like, traditional overtime. It was in the shootout. In overtime, we have not won a game. We've only won a game in a shootout. While Boston was 2-0 in overtime, things were not looking great. And by this point, Boston had already took control of the game. So by the time Pasternak would score the eventual game winner, everything was already destined. Boston Bruins win in overtime 3-2 in TD Garden. We're going to hear from the head coach and alternate captain Jordan Marnuk, and then I'm going to come back for some finishing thoughts on why they lost the game and NHL officiating, but not in the way you think. Here's the head coach. Right, I know it's not the way you guys wanted to end this one. What made it difficult to close this one out? Well, we're in the penalty box. What do you want me to say? I mean, that's it. I mean, tough. Uh, can't take penalties at the end. I mean, especially when it's four on threes and five on threes. It's, we did a hell of a job. Worked, you know, butts off tonight. Killed most of the penalties. They got a kind of a weird one there to tie it up. You know, flip of the coin, I guess, on on the calls. And we know in here we're not going to get that. So I, you knew that was going to be a goal. And then can't, can't, I don't know, we had a mistake there uh, with a change. Um, that's that's a tough one. What did you see from Coach Atkoff today? Well, he made some good saves, you know, but we hung him out there with the the five on, or the four and three at the end. That's a, that's not going to stop that. That's a great shot. And that one at the end of the second is tough, too, because we're, we're up 2 nothing. Kind of have the game going our way. And then you give up a late one. You know, it's not how you want to do it either, but I mean, the effort was phenomenal. Guys, you know, playing extremely hard, and you know, right now it's just we're in one of those where the bounces are certainly going the other way all the time. So we're gonna have to just keep digging in. Do you think Trip Tracy gets a royalty every time someone says digging in? Because if he doesn't, he should. Because whenever I hear it now, I automatically think of the pure Michigander that is Trip Tracy. From there, we will transition to alternate captain Jordan Marnock. I think it just gives guys confidence when you're you're killing penalties or you're getting power play goals. It just those guys, the power play guys, it, it, whenever you can score, you get confidence. Whenever you kill a penalty off, it builds momentum too throughout the other other parts of the game. Your five on five gets going because of a big kill, a power play or power play gets a goal. It just it rolls into the rest of the game, and um, you can see that in the first period. Those guys did a great job on the power play, and it kind of fed into the rest of our game. And there you have it. The Carolina Hurricanes lose again, this time 3-2 in overtime at TD Garden, extending their losing streak to five with a record of now dropping eight out of the last 10 games. There's a lot to talk about here, and a lot of it's to do with the team. But just to get out of the way up front, the officiating in this game was terrible. Specifically, Chris Rooney, the referee was terrible. There was no reason he should have blown that whistle. He should have moved to where he could have seen the puck but stayed out of player's way and kept the play alive. 
he clearly cost them a goal at that point. And then later on in the period, they're calling Andrei Svechnikov for tripping. Whatever. I don't even care about the call. I care that alternate captain Sebastian Ajo tries to skate up to him and ask him about the call, and Rooney refuses to talk to him. Are we, are we joking? That A on his chest is not decorative. It is not a fashion trend. He's not trying to let everyone know he has the scarlet letter. He's an alternate captain in the National Hockey League. That gives him certain rights. Like discussing things with officials. Okay, you don't want to talk to him. That sucks. It's his right. You have to at least answer his question. I could also talk about how two different Carolina Hurricanes defensemen had their helmets tucking off mid-play and had to leave the ice, ice purposely by Bruins players with no calls. That's Mickey Mouse League levels of immaturity, levels of being inept at your job. The Hurricanes didn't lose this game solely because of officials, but... They didn't make it easy on them. They didn't let them have a fair game. And that's my point. But, again, it wasn't solely because of officiating. There was one penalty called in overtime. It was against the Hurricanes, too many men on the ice because of a bad change. How many times have we been caught on a bad change that has led to a goal? In this case, it costs us the man advantage in overtime. But I'm sure possession isn't valuable in overtime. What, what is with us not getting to the bench in time? What is with us hopping out a little bit too soon? This, this, this is like ones and twos types of things. I don't understand the disconnect. And it, I mean, it's not just this. Our penalty kill is still atrocious. Yeah, it's cool that they got two tonight. We're still one of the worst teams in the league with a man advantage. The death spiral has begun. The team knows it. Fans know it. What are they going to do to shake things up to get everything back on track for this team to be the cup contenders they're supposed to be and not end up like the Islanders of last season where they were supposed to be good, but oh well, they are irrelevant again. It did seem a little absurd to me that Rod Brindamore decided to break up the stall line, which has consistently been his best shutdown line all year. It's absurd to me that he hasn't put Kakanyemi, Natchez, and Svechnikov back together, who have been his highest producing line all season. I really, I don't know what it is that's causing this confidence issue. Maybe someone broke a mirror in the locker room. Maybe they just need some more team bonding. I don't know. But if that's the case, I'll go pay for the Dave and Buster's trip. Cool. What do we need to do to figure this out? Because at this point, this isn't about skill level. This is about them not connecting. There was a disconnect on that team somewhere. The chemistry is off. Rod Brandermore is the greatest coach to ever coach in this franchise. He's destined to go down as one of the best player coaches of all time. Yet, it's his team right now that is fractured. And if he doesn't learn to put it back together, all of this was for naught. These past four years were for naught. 20 years from now, we'll talk about it as like this cool thing that happened before the team eventually folded 10 years later and they moved to Houston. Something has to give. Something has to give. Tara Vinen, Kasha, Patches, all still out, all still no timeline. Seth Jarvis hasn't been here this season. Andrei Svechnikov, Martin Natchez, and Sebastian Ajo, who all started the season off right, are fading away. There were nights where it would honestly be better if Stastny and Stepan didn't even lace up. Our 23-year-old Russian goaltender, who, again, has only been in North America 
for 10 months is playing the best hockey I have seen in a long time. That kid is standing on his head and is being let down by veterans of this league, people who are supposed to know how to play, how to put in the effort, how to grind, how to win, and it's not happening. I saw something a few days ago that said Rod Brindamore is the least critically thought about coach in the league. And I don't think that's true. I 100% don't think that's true. Because people will always find something to criticize. And in this case, there were real Hurricanes fans calling for this man's job. And while that is still clearly absurd, that chorus will only grow louder and louder as this losing streak continues to step forward. Carolina is currently in a wild card spot for the playoffs by one point. The New York Rangers are at 24 points. Carolina is at 25. The Tampa Bay Lightning, Montreal Canadiens, both at 23 points. Something has to work out to where we can make the playoffs go on a run and everything will be dandy. But if Rod is unable to do that, real questions will be asked. And it's still early, and of course there's still time to repair, but we can only say that for a few more weeks. Come late December, we can't say, well, it's still early. We can figure this out. The Carolina Hurricanes will take on the Calgary Flames tonight in PNC Arena. The game will close out the team's season series against Calgary. Calgary having won back in Alberta. 2-3 in overtime after the Hurricanes gave up a two-goal lead. How fitting is that? Everyone should still stay positive, though. Everything can still work out. Rod Brindamore still has the second most points out of any head coach since he started the job. Still the best coach in franchise history. There's still time. But real questions have to be asked moving forward. And if things don't change, that chorus of fire rod, fire rod will only grow larger. I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Thank you, as always, for listening to Home Ice Advantage. If you would, please subscribe, share it with a friend. You know what to do. Follow me on Twitter at Colin Home Ice. Rate the show if you feel so kindly. Uh, check out my Substack. Everything is linked down below. I will talk to you again on Wednesday, hopefully with a lot better news. Don't love making these types of episodes. A Our 100th episode special is going to be on The Shock of the Rock, so everyone should look forward to that. Learning a little bit more if you're a New Orleans fan or reliving a glory, glorious moment in Hurricanes history for us long-term fans. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.